right. Welcome back to season two of No Really Everything's Fine, the proposal management podcast where we help you put out your daily dumpster fires. Today, we are so pleased to be joining you from the grease trap in a taco shop per our main speaker's recommendation. And we are talking to you all about burnout and what that means in your career. Today, we are joined by the inimitable Rochelle Ray, who is joining us from her own podcast, Burnout Banter, where she talks all about how to maintain your emotional and professional health as you continue on in your proposal management career. We're so excited to welcome her and to welcome back our other speakers. So why don't we do a quick roundtable? We'll tell everybody a little bit about ourselves. We'll talk a little bit about our own burnout experiences, and then we'll get started with Rochelle. Uh, Nora, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I am currently with a um, a $22 billion company. They are the 17th largest employer globally, and uh, I'm working in their healthcare segment on proposals. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to 2023. Happy New Year. This is your girl, Nicole, the RFP Queen Robinson. And I am a uh, proposal management person in a cybersecurity firm. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while. I'm rusty. Okay, let me start there. I'm keeping all of this. We're not going to edit that out. I'm going to just, we're just going to keep going. Let's just go. <laughs> we're just going to keep going. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm back. I'm currently the sales operations manager who focuses on bid management for a global cybersecurity firm. And I have been in proposals. This is my 16th year. Cue the applause, and I'm super excited to be back for a new season and very happy to have Rochelle joining us today. Excellent. I'll tell you a little bit about myself, too. My name is Catherine Bennett. I am the co-founder of Proposal Industry Experts, which is a great free community where you can go and connect with other people who are doing this work in the same industry and in other industries so you can learn more. Uh, I've been spending about 15 or 16 years in the proposal management space, similar to Nicole, and I am really heavily focused on process improvement and how uh, improving our everyday work can improve our mental health. So, Rochelle, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we will launch into some burnout stories. Sure. So I'm a proposal management consultant specifically for architects, engineers, and contractors. Um, Been doing this about 13 years, so almost hitting that 15 mark. But I've worked all over, small firm, large firm, one-person shop. So seen it all, done it all, burned out all of it. Yeah, you know, there's a recent some recent information that's come out in some of these studies that you see. You know, it's at the top of the year. We're seeing all of the the annual studies come out about what proposal management is like, and it's really fascinating because some of these indicators show that folks who have been in the industry for longer are much more dissatisfied than folks who are brand new into the industry. As yeah, the satisfaction curve. This is just out yesterday. Um, if you're if you're into this, and we don't endorse any specific platforms, but Lupio has some really interesting uh, content that's come out around what proposal management experience looks like. And as you start adding those years on, are, we, we just in, intentionally become a little bit more grumpy, I guess. <laughs> you can do, like, we're just, we're the old, we're the old Muppets up in the, up in the, up in the stands, you know, <laughs> pitching tomatoes down to the stands. <laughs> that was a perfect, that's a perfect description. <laughs> I mean, tell me I'm wrong. So, so, uh, so let's talk a little bit about as we have, as we've all matured in this industry, because we all have a pretty significant tenure, you know, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to hit that burnout wall? And, and, and just a little short description of that, Nora, I, would you want to kick us off with that? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty rusty too. I didn't say my name. I didn't say how long I've been in the industry. I didn't say my title, like nothing. So we got I'm it. just Norfox, you know, um, because probably I would say I've been burned out all of 2022. Um, I had a lot going on, both professionally and personally. And the personal, I think, lent itself to, uh, you know, some some professional burnout. You know, I did, I, I changed employers. Uh, I am now, thankfully, uh, uh, I've, I've achieved a senior title. I've been in the industry five years, which is, you know, great. I'm really excited to have done that. Um, but, you know, just a little background about what was going on for me all of 2022. I uh, got pregnant. I had a miserable pregnancy like it was really bad um you know i uh i changed jobs i was in a i was working as sort of a contractor role and um you know didn't know if my contract was going to get renewed because i was working for a big tech firm that ended up laying off a bunch of people right they went through a couple round of layoffs um I did all the things you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant, like change jobs. Uh, I have been in the middle of a massive, massive home construction project that was supposed to be finished in October or November. My baby was born in December. Um, it didn't start till mid-October. So we have, you know, no nursery, anything like that. Um, so just all of those things kind of bled over. And I was really glad, you know, um, that I've kind of be hit that stride point in the industry because... Um, you know, I, I was able to know exactly, you know, what goes on in proposals and things like that. And so, you know, changing companies, you know, it's, it's, you run a proposal pretty much the same way it's learning the content, right? Um, but that, for me, this particular year, that personal burnout really drove the professional burnt out a little bit. And I know, uh, you know, my maternity leave is about to end here in, in, in two weeks. So I'll be back before February. And that's why I'm proposals gone wild today, because, you know, um, I know when I get back for our, the segment that I'm working in, it's going to be a slew. Pardon my cat. That's Marvel. Um, it's just going to be, you know, a slew of, of proposals coming my way. So mm -hmm. I'm really interested to talk about this and find out, you know, what I can do. Already kind of coming off some burnout, right? Uh, recouped a little bit, you know, of that uh, on my maternity leave here. But what can I do? What pointers and tips would you have for somebody like me that has had so many things going on in my personal life that kind of bled over professionally to prevent myself from becoming even more burnout, right? Mm -hmm. from, from hitting that point of where I'm sending the email that's going to set some stuff. <laughs> on fire you know what i mean i don't want to do those things right like burn it down you know um so so what tips would you have for somebody like me after doing all of those things oh my gosh first off uh nora that's incredible that you dealt with all of that um you're a superwoman so just one congratulate yourself for getting through that because oh my gosh if nobody's told you that, I at least wanted you to know. Um, I, I feel like so much of burnout is just understanding that some things are inevitable and some things are out of our control and that's okay. Like, mm. I'm sure you had zero control over your home renovation uh, schedule getting changed and that's really annoying and frustrating. Um, but being able to work with you know, your work or your job, I, changing jobs, I know makes that difficult because you don't have the report with them, you know, to say, hey, I, you know me, you know the quality of work, uh, I need a little bit of flexibility. But being able to have those open conversations with both your personal life, so your family and saying, you know, this is what I've got going on at work. We've got a lot going on at home. 
we need to be understanding of each other and how can we do that and doing the exact same thing at work, you know, going into your team, whether it's leadership or subordinates and saying, you don't have to give them details. You can just say, hey, I've got a lot going on. Some of it you might be aware of and some of it you might not, but just know that I'm going to be as available as I can. But there are going to be times when I am not. There are going to be times when I need to take care of other things. And so let's make a plan to work around that together. Just being upfront, I think, is the best way um, to combat burnout. And I think a lot, a lot of times we just think it's something we have to do on our own. And that's the, the worst thing you can do for burnout is be like, I have to do this. I am dealing with this. I am shouldering this. And it's not you. You have a team. You have a family. You have a village with you. And you need to you need to help uh, help them help you for the worst phrase ever created by man. But um, <laughs> Rochelle, I've, got a, I've got a quick follow up <laughs> to that, um, because I have been in situations both where um, I have gone and been honest with my supervisors and I suffered some consequences that were not very pleasant um, because I was honest. And I, and I have, I've had situations where I've done the same thing and a different team of people and we were all able to resolve it really well. Uh, one part that really sticks out to me here about what you said is coming up with a plan. Do you advise that folks come in with some ideas about how they could work together with their team to make sure the work is shared? Or like, how can you set yourself up for success if you have kind of a, kind of a tenuous relationship with those people that you work with, or maybe you're new into the role? Oh, absolutely. Um, you just described one of my early career roles perfectly. Um, I didn't understand that I was burned out. And so when I was trying to talk to my direct, like my director, um, and I was trying to say, hey, you've given me six proposals. I can only handle four because you also have me running a conference and a blog post and a website redo and like a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the life of an architectural marketing coordinator. Um, you know, you have me running a bunch of other stuff that dev, uh, support admin stuff. So you can't give me any more work. Um, but the way it was coming across was just like, I was just complaining like, Hey, also I'm in school and you're not letting me go to class. Like I don't have time for things. It just sounded whiny. And I look back and I just kind of want to give, you know, 23-year-old Rochelle, 24-year-old, I don't remember how old I was, early 20s Rochelle, I just want to give her a hug and say, I understand, sweetheart, um, but that's not the best approach. What I think I would have done if I were in that situation now is exactly what you're saying. Um, I would have gone to my director and said, hey, you're trying to give me two more proposals than I can handle. Um, can we work with the other 14 members of our team and see if we can share workload a little bit? Can I take maybe some of their smaller tasks so they can take a larger task? Or, um, you know, hey, can we bring in, you know, temporary staff because that's two proposals, that's an extra 15 hours a week, that's almost a part-time role. Like, I think I would have definitely come to them and said, here are options and solutions. Um, and I think that would help a lot with those management uh, issues, especially when that relationship isn't uh, totally solid. But sometimes you also have to accept that that's not a great relationship and maybe this is not a great fit or a great role for you and not yeah. be afraid to admit that to yourself and to look elsewhere. That is also an acceptable option. Sometimes the ship is sinking, the ship is sinking and you have to save yourself. <laughs> I you know what? <laughs> that really resonates with me 
personally, because when I was younger, I was very much, I need to be able to do whatever they give me. And I didn't think that I could say no. And also I worked for places where they didn't really let you say no. It was where, Mm -hmm. you know, you sort of had to phrase it a different way. Um, So I think that's really good advice, especially for people who are younger coming into this, that, you know, there are ways to phrase it, which are is is pushing back without just flat out saying, no, I'm not going to do this or coming off like you're complaining, because I think that I was in a similar boat where I did not realize I was burnt out. It took me a long time to recognize that. And I, you know, I feel like I came off as though I was complaining when it was really I was just trying to express that I have. 60 hours of week of work to do in a 40 hour work week and I'm not allowed to get overtime and you guys won't, you know what I mean? They, they just wouldn't work with me. Right. So yeah. I think that they're learning that professional language and expressing that is really important. I love that. Both Rochelle and Nora have said, and I know I've also experienced this not knowing I was burnt out. For me, it really was a flaming dumpster, but it was quite hilarious and it was public. Um, And it's really, really good that I have a very strong sense of humor um, because I laughed until I cried after I realized what was happening. But um, what I would love to know, Rochelle, can you tell our listeners what are some of the signs or ways that they can identify burnout so that they can actually work towards prevention? Absolutely. Um, So a lot of times we confuse burnout with stress. And I think, uh, especially proposal people, like we are just so accustomed to handling high stress projects, situations, people that we don't always realize when that stress has crossed over into burnout. Um, So the difference is really that stress is temporary. You know, you are working on a proposal, it's stressful, but once it ends, that stress should alleviate. If it doesn't, if you are still feeling mentally fatigued at the end of the day, if you still feel unappreciated or frustrated with your team members, if you still feel like you're not caught up, like this is now off your plate, but you are still drowning at work. Um, Or if you just like can't, this is my number one sign that I'm in early burnout. I dread getting out of bed in the morning and I'm a morning person. So the minute I'm like, "Eh, 20 more minutes, 30 more minutes, uh, it's usually a sign to me that something is off. Um, so those are kind of those early signs that you've moved from stress into burnout. Many of us will miss those. And so the bigger ones that you start to look for are, um, I'm going to call them chaotic symptoms. <laughs> this is where you start to write those spicier communication emails that you probably shouldn't set, send on, uh, but you've just stopped caring, right? Like you are burnt out. You don't have as much, um, you're disillusioned about your job. You're just frustrated with it. And so you just don't care anymore. Like you have zero F to give. And so you just hit send. Um, you might be angry and irritable and, ruled by those emotions, which is why you're going to hit send on that. Or you might um, initiate confrontations instead of looking for solutions. You know, you might call out that team member who's not doing their job and driving you nuts um, in a way that is going to make things worse. And you're maybe aware of it, um, but you don't care anymore. (laughs) So chaotic symptoms um, are definitely where you should start to flag hey, uh, I need to check in with myself and see, am I burnt out? And do I need to make a plan for uh, stepping back and 
preventing further burnout and, you know, taking care of myself as I am now. I also like that chaotic flags, if you're a people leader and you're starting to see things like that happen with your team, that's an opportunity for you to step in as, um, as a leader of that team and say, come, come on, let's go have a little chat over here for a second. First of all, <laughs> coffee, tea, whiskey, <laughs> whatever it happens to be, it could be anything. Um, <laughs> Let's keep it, let's keep it PG. Um, but you know, and just have that one-on-one, -on -one, that little bit of a heart to heart with your team, just to kind of assess where they're at. Because depending on the level of camaraderie or trust that your team has in you as the leader, they may not even feel comfortable coming to you and saying, hey, um, I'm feeling a little pressed against the wall right now. Um, even though I just chewed off that you know, subject matter experts, you know, ear, um, they may not even feel comfortable coming to you and saying that because they might feel like you think that they can't do their job and it might reflect poorly on their ability to show up for the team. So um, I feel like for leaders, that's a, some great um, actionable advice that they can take and things that they can actually look out for in amongst their own teams. Yeah, how would we go about, because Nicole, I've been in situations like I, I had a year, when I was a marketing manager at this engineering company where I got divorced, I had a significant health issue that put me in the ICU, my house flooded um, and my dog died within a five month span. Um, oh my. And, and I couldn't even, I couldn't, so, so I couldn't even articulate that, but I was, I combusted. I got fired because of how badly I was behaving because oh. all of these stressors were coming at me at once. It sounds an awful lot, kind of what Nora had going on. And I feel as though my manager was trying to help me out and I just couldn't, like, I couldn't connect with him in a way that made sense. So I don't, oh. as someone who's an experienced people leader and Rochelle, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this too, but like, how can you help solidify that relationship and build that trust so that the person feels comfortable coming to you and like sharing in the way that feels appropriate like how do, how do we help our teammates is really oh. what I'm getting at <laughs> okay I laugh because this that was my entire 2022 yeah that literally was that was my entire 2022 I became a people leader in proposals specifically because I've done people leadership in other roles before um in 2022 at the top of the year literally January 6th and I spent the rest of the year managing expectations and feelings and uh, previous trauma because I had to hire. So I had people coming in who had not good experiences with, with previous leadership. And so they were dealing with a lot of that internal trauma. And so I remember just at one point in the year just being like, Probably, I think I feel like I just begged her, and I was just like, "Listen, I know that you don't know me. I I know that, and but I'm gonna. I I I swear, and I promise. I don't know what to swear or promise on, uh, aside from the Lord, because you know, when I say I have your back, I really mean it. I will go to the mat for you. I am deeply invested in your success. I am deeply invested." in your ability to communicate to me the things that you need. I'm deeply invested. And I understand that we have been with each other for a very short period of time, but I need you to trust that what I'm saying to you is true um, because if, if I can help you win, I win. 
So let me let me even take away like being nice and being sympathetic and empathetic from a, a pure place, selfish position. If you do well, I do well. So if you can trust me for no other reason than I want the team to succeed, try if you have to start there and then you can develop the oh no, no legit, like she stood up for me, no. And then you start to see the evidence of me showing up for you and then that builds, okay, I am okay with that. I will take this walk with you slowly, but I'm I'm holding your hand on with it. And there's gonna be times I'm gonna throw you over my shoulder and carry you. And then there's gonna be some, there's gonna be times where I'm holding your hand and I'm walking beside you, but I'm never, I have not left you and I'm not gonna leave you. And- yeah, Nicole, you're hiring? <laughs> I know, right? Listen, my manager's the same way now. I'm grateful to her. She's amazing. But like, you just, just tell us if you're hiring. We'll point people. Yeah, to I, I absolutely will. <laughs> as, as I am. Um, yeah, I just, and I, I was really committed to building that with her because I recognized, um, I recognized that hurt and I recognize how, I know how it feels to not trust your manager. I know how that feels. And I know how it feels to feel like you're like side-eyeing or questioning or second-guessing every interaction that you might have with that person. So um, it was really I, a lot of conversation. And then I put my money where my mouth was. Like when I needed to show up and, and back her up, I did. When, uh, you know, if anything, if something happened to go wrong, I never vilified her or made her feel any type of way. Like you make a mistake, we celebrate mistakes. That's cool. That means you're trying. That's all I'm asking for you to do is try. So you made a mistake. That's cool. No, no worries. How? Let's talk about how we're going to fix it. Okay. Then what did you do? How did you learn? So I just kept putting my money where my mouth was all year. And I took ashwagandha. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love about what Nicole said? I'm just going to breeze past the ashwagandha. Um, you know, I, I love what you said about if if you win, I win, right? Because I think mm -hmm. that that is actually something that can be flipped around. And I've also had managers that would not listen. And I, I didn't matter what I did, how you know, mm -hmm. how I construed it. It's just they didn't want to hear it. But I think you if, if that's the if you have a contentious relationship where you have a manager that is not going to go to the mat for you, it's a great way to put it is listen, I'm burnt out. And if I win, you win. And if I don't win, you don't win. Mm -hmm. So it benefits both of us mutually. If I'm able to take care of myself, recharge my batteries, come back and, and write winning proposals, as opposed to I can churn them out, but they may, they're not going to be good and we're not going to win any business. So, right. you know, I, I think that that's a great point to be able to flip it on its head for somebody, you know, who, who doesn't get the same kind of support. I think that's a great point. Excellent, excellent leverage skills. Um, I just want to point out, so like there's a, a just general burnout statistic um, that something like 85% of all people <laughs> in North America right now are reporting being burned out. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I saw that like two weeks ago or something. It was, um, uh, it was relating to isolation and loneliness and how that contributes to burnout, um, which is kind of just an, a whole separate vicious cycle that we could talk about all day. Um, but yeah, so, so if 80, 85% of people are feeling burned out, it's very likely that your manager is also one of the mm -hmm. burnt out people. And so that might be another place where you're kind of struggling to see eye to eye with each other because you're both just trying to survive. And so that's like, that's systemic at this point. That's not like one team member having a problem. That's 
like we need to maybe rethink how as companies or teams we approach burnout as a whole like holistically instead of just looking at an individual person and maybe just normalize you know how many companies how many of your teams do like a weekly check-in to see what what's on the docket what our workload is stuff like that like maybe just do a burnout meter check-in like Mm -hmm. you know how are you take it back to elementary school I don't care like smiley face frowny face how are we doing this week are we okay like can you handle this um and to to Nicole's point as well like building that report with each other as a as a lowly proposal coordinator back in the day I would have been over the moon if someone had just asked can you handle this proposal instead of just assigning me to it no one has ever until I started consulting ever asked me if I can handle another proposal they're just they're just given to me Um, and I think that's really common at least in architecture engineering so yeah if we just like Look at it all together. We can help each other because then we all win. Rochelle, I've got a real quick question for you about this. Um, when it comes to, like, based on what you just said there, and if we look at all the facts that that tech layoffs are happening and the economic situation is becoming a little bit more tenuous, everyone's talking about recession conditions, right? And and in it, it's proven that in situations like that, and multiple, again, multiple studies bear this out for this year, that as we head into a recession, RFP procurement increases because buyers are increasingly risk averse, right? And, and folks that are chasing, folks chase RFPs that maybe they wouldn't have in the past because of this organizational desperation, right? They got to get money. Money in the door. They got to get money in the door. Um, how would you say, like, when we talk about prevention in this context, is there any kind of like, operational advice that you can give us to say, you know, from this perspective, if you're chasing this work, here are the risks that happen, and here's how we can get money in the door without, you know, churning and burning our our staff. Ooh, ooh, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> Man, like I could throw, you know, make sure your go no goes are still strong. I know that gut punch instinct for a lot of, especially I work with a lot of really small firms, like under 50 people. Um, and so that gut instinct is to just chase everything that they're remotely qualified for just to keep, you know, something potentially on the table. Um, but you're burning money that way. And so that's not resource efficient. And if you're, if you're burning money that way on your in-house staff, you're probably burning out your in-house staff chasing you know, 10 proposals when you would normally only chase four. So that's a problem. So I would maybe really hone back in. I think everything, everything today can just go back to relationships. You know, the team, internal team relationships we've talked about. Um, but maybe instead of investing in like the, everybody calls it something different, like the spray and pray or the spaghetti on the wall, see what sticks approach to RFPs. Like, Instead of that, like, scatter, I like the spaghetti on the wall because I'm Italian, but (laughs) Um, instead of that, like, scattered hope for the best approach, like, maybe really pull back. Um, I know a lot of other industries are a little bit better at this than maybe mine is, um, but architecture engineering could definitely stand to um, invest more in those relationships. It doesn't mean you have to go out and do some new sales development, but, like, talk to your current clients reassure yourself that way and say, okay, you know, we've, we're doing work for you right now. What do you have coming up? Are you happy with us? Like just, just work what you already have. That's the most cost-effective, efficient way to do things. You don't have to invest in business development and sales outside of, you don't have to invest in going for RSPs outside of, just like see what you can get out of what you already have. Like a ton of our, the people I work with, a ton of the entities that we propose with have small 
sustainable projects that would probably keep a company going for a little while. And they can usually give those out either an on, under an on-call or just direct procurement. Like they can just contract that straight to you. All we have to do is ask. How often? Nobody asks. So mm. relationship building is what I would say um, for my little corner of the universe. That's spectacular. I think so. So what we've learned today is that when it comes to burnout prevention, we want to make sure that we're noticing if we're tempted to send spicy emails to people when we wouldn't <laughs> otherwise do that. We're trying to monitor our sleep patterns and our emotional state and just check in with ourselves and say, and be honest and say, like, how do we feel about this now? When we do feel that way, either as a, as a supervisor or as some direct reports, we're going to be honest with each other. We're going to try to develop team plans, have each other's backs, really try to engender that trust and also maybe come up with new and creative ways to get financial financial benefit from existing customers instead of feeling like we've always got to be out there pounding the pavement for new business acquisition. This has been an extremely illuminating episode for me in no small part because the dumpster is illuminating what's around us. <laughs> the flames from the dumpster are showing us the way. Thank you, Nora. <laughs> Um, we are at the end of our time. And so I would love to wrap up with a little bit of information about the podcast. Nicole, where can we hear the podcast for this season? So we are available on Podbean, Apple, basically every single podcast platform, hosting and streaming site that is available to you. You can also even jump over to uh, Podbean and like literally stream, binge all of our episodes directly on the Podbean site for the, sh for the show. But every single place that podcasts are currently hosted, we are there. Excellent. We have a full season ahead of us with lots of operational ideas, concepts around burnout. Rochelle's coming back. We've got information about communities, about how to make sure that your proposal processes are dialed in. So the dumpster is fully ignited. We are ready to rock and roll. If you have any additional comments, questions, words of wisdom, don't hesitate to find us on LinkedIn under the No Really Everything's Fine podcast. And as a proposal industry experts, we also have a great community for you to join at proposalindustryexperts.com where you can check out more about every podcast episode and connect directly with Nora, Nicole, Rochelle, and myself for conversations about best practices and just to get to know us a little bit better. We are so pleased that you joined us for this first episode of Season too. We can't wait to see you again. Let's have a great year and we'll connect again soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.